Welcome to the Finley Capital Podcast, where we discuss real estate investing and the hard money lending process. Today, I want to talk about joint venture partnerships. As you know, I have six or seven joint venture real estate partnerships, mostly revolving around owning real estate, either flips or buy and holds or, you know, burrs or whatever. But investment, joint venture investments are a really interesting way to buy real estate with your buddies Mm -hmm. or your pals or whatever, or whoever. Most of my partnerships are either two people. I have, I have one with uh, three people and I have one with four people. Mm -hmm. The 50, 50 or 40, 59, 41 partnerships are my favorite, but they're all fun. Mm -hmm. And some people have different perspectives about whether or not you should do business with your friends. Some people say you should never do business with friends. Mm -hmm. And some people like me say, I only do business with friends. My whole life, I've only done business with people I love and care about. So that's up to you to decide if you want to do a joint venture partnership, who it's with. Mm -hmm. But for me, in my experience in life, I've had the most fun doing joint venture partnerships with my friends. And the only business entities I've ever had that were not successful were with people that I wouldn't consider close friends. Yeah. And that's a bummer, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, When you're setting up a joint venture partnership, there are a lot of things to consider before you even set up the structure of those. But I want to talk about today considerations Mm -hmm. for whether or not you should do a joint venture partnership, what the purpose and the objectives would be. And then I'll, I'll break down a little bit of how I've set mine up so that people listening can have a good perspective on what it would take to set one up if they wanted to do a joint venture partnership. So first and foremost, the purpose of a joint venture partnership is to buy a piece of real estate together as a team, Mm -hmm. to pool resources, to pool talents, and to delegate and share responsibilities, and to grow wealth over time, right? Right. So uh, there's a bunch of different ways to do it. I'm not an accountant, I'm not an attorney, so this isn't advice and da 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 But the way I've done it is I've always set up a new entity, an LLC entity. Mm-hmm. And that's the first thing that you need, obviously. You need to set up an entity, get an EIN number from the, you know, from the IRS. You need to organize your articles of organization from the state. And you need an operating agreement. Okay, so those, are, those are the basic fundamental features of a joint venture partnership. The operating agreement, which you can you can Google a boilerplate agreement. You don't have to spend thousands of dollars. You no. can get one anywhere. But you want to read it and you want to customize it. And what I've always done is I've always added little addendums to it mm-hmm. to really break down and clarify some specific items that are involved in the partnership. Because mostly an operating agreement is just going to have that boilerplate language about who's responsible for what and what happens if somebody dies and what happens if a piece of this yeah. is not enforceable and da, 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 da. it doesn't really lay out, you know, who's going to be in charge of bookkeeping versus who's going to be in charge of renovations and who's mm-hmm. going to be in charge of this and that. And what happens if the deal falls apart? What happens if somebody dies? What happens if somebody gets divorced and all these different things? So the operating agreement is where you really sit down with your partner and say, Hey, what are we trying to do here? And what happens in the worst case? Mm-hmm. So when you're dealing with your operating agreement with your partner, you need to, look at it through the lens of a disagreement because if there's a disagreement, it will come down to that document right at the end of the day. And a lot of times when you go into a joint venture partnership, you're feeling great. You're excited. You're happy. You guys are having fun. You're not worried about a problem. You don't think there would ever be a problem, but, and that's fine. And you probably won't, if you got Mm -hmm. a good buddy in there, you're going to roll ride or die together, but you need to build your operating agreement as though things went sour and what would happen in the event that they do. That's a really interesting 
uh, perspective and way to set it up because most people don't even take that in consideration first first thing. I always, always, always approach situations with a pessimistic perspective <laughs> when I'm when I'm when yeah. I'm doing this this exercise because mm-hmm. this is what could happen. And at the end of the day, when people do documents, I write contracts for a living. I'm a real estate broker. Yeah. Okay. These contracts aren't that relevant until there's a problem. Right. As soon as there's a problem, everybody points right back to what's on paper. Yeah. Okay. And so when you're dealing with a contractor, or you're dealing with a real estate transaction or an operating agreement, it's the same concept. It never matters until it matters. So at the beginning, when you're setting them up, you want to really, really think about what's important, what happens in the worst case, and really go through those exercises with your partner and talk about it. Say, hey, man, if we have a disagreement and we decide what happens if one of us needs to sell, mm-hmm. okay, what happens if one of us is tired of doing this? We buy, we buy 10 houses together and you decide that you want to go off and do a different project. Uh-huh. Well, what if I don't want to sell the properties? What do we do? Well, we need yeah. to have a clause in there that says what happens in the event that one of the parties wants to exit. Yeah. What happens if we want to sell the properties? We both agree to sell the properties. Who's going to be the listing agent? We both have a real estate license. Mm-hmm. Am I going to be the agent or are you going to be the agent? Am I going to get a commission for all the work I do? Mm-hmm. Or am I going to have to do it for free? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Now you might say, yeah, we'll work it out. We'll work it out. We'll work it out. Well, yeah, now we can say we'll work it out. But what happens if we're having a disagreement? You see, mm-hmm. now it's a little different. Yeah. We need to be able to point to the operating agreement and say, in the, in the event that we're going to dispose of this portfolio, Logan's going to be responsible for the sale of disposition sales, and he's going to earn a commission of X on X per sale. Mm-hmm. That's just one example. Okay. It's just one little example of a hundred things, but it's important. Another thing that I like to do, I like to look at is who, what happens if we need to contribute more capital? Uh, this is a big mm-hmm. deal. And I'm going through this right now with a partnership. When, you, when you're an equity partner in an entity, you are responsible for matching capital contributions mm-hmm. when you need money. And the, and the operating agreements always clearly state that in the event that more capital contribution is needed, members shall contribute based on their ownership equity. Okay, so if you're 50-50 partners and the company is short six grand, mm-hmm. guess what? Three for you, three for me. We got to put it in. Yeah. Now, obviously, you want to operate your business to minimize your capital contributions and do the things that you can to avoid those. If you need mm-hmm. a member loan or you need an exterior loan or whatever, that's fine. But as, a, as an equity member, as somebody who's going to uh, enjoy the equity, the gains, hopefully, of, the, of your fruits of your labor, when, it's, when the going gets tough and when you're short on cash, that's part of the deal. So you have to be very careful with a joint venture partnership because a lot of times there's one guy that's really good at something and there's one guy that has a lot of capital. Yeah. And the guy that's really good at something thinks that's what he's bringing to the table. Mm -hmm. And that might be what they're bringing, but the operating agreement needs to state what happens in the event, you know, that that funds are needed or things are going bad. Mm -hmm. We have to have these things in writing and ready to go. Another thing I like to have in writing and it's called a a resolution Mm -hmm. is I like to write, I mean, it depends on the partnership, but when you, when you are purchasing or selling real estate, the operating agreement is what the title company looks at to see who has signing authority. Yeah. And if you have four partners and they're all over this country, like I have a partnership with four yeah. people in different states, it's kind of an annoying to try to do four mail away closings on every side of each transaction. Yes. So you can have a resolution of signing authority, mm-hmm. general or limited for one or more of the members. So for example, in that particular entity, in that operating agreement, 
I set up a limited resolution of signing authority, which said that I could sign on behalf of the members mm-hmm. for certain things, not everything, not bank loans, not debt, right. not this, not that, but I could sign for acquisitions or I could sign for limited disposition. So I can sign for, um, oh, for example, what, what I like to do sometimes is I like to create a document, a limited resolution of signing authority that says Logan has the full signing authority mm-hmm. to dispose of ABC Main Street, one, two, three Main Street, mm-hmm. and have all the guys, all the people, guys or gals in the operating agreement, in the entity, sign it. And then from there, I can use that document with the title company to uh, do the transaction, you know, settle the transaction mm-hmm. with all the signatures. So we don't have to do all this crazy mail away yeah. stuff. A lot of people don't think about that. Uh, I have one joint venture entity where I just wrote it into the into the operating agreement that I had the sole signing authority to both acquire and dispose of properties. Now, mm-hmm. I don't mind having that for myself because I trust myself. Yeah. And my partners trust me, which is great. But I don't know if I would necessarily want to be on the other side of that. Uh, so yeah. that's, that's up to you with the trust factor with your partners. Um Obviously, you shouldn't be in partnership with people you don't trust, but at the same time, setting up a situation where trust is at an all-time high mm-hmm. can deteriorate later when right. if things go bad. But you have to keep in mind or you have to have consideration into how you're going to deal with signing purchase and sales of documents. I have another partnership where he and I both sign everything every time. Mm-hmm. And that's how he feels comfortable. And that's fine by me because I don't blame you're him. You're saying jointly, right? Yep. Everything's yep. We both jointly. sign okay. everything. We both live in the same city, so that helps too. Yeah. You know, he's just down the road. So when we close on a deal, he comes over to the office. We sign together. We do a high five and we keep going. I have, a, I have another one. I have one in which I, don't, I hardly ever sign anything. They yeah. handle the whole, all of it. And I just look and see what's going on, you know? Yeah. So I've, I'm on all different perspectives of joint venture partnerships, but I love them. I think they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so let's build one. Let's, cool. let's say that Lowell and Logan are going to build a joint venture partnership to buy a property. So the first thing that we do is we sit down, we create an operating agreement. We spell out all the terms of ownership equity. So let's say 50, 50, 49, mm-hmm. 51, 70, 30, 80, 20, whatever we decide. Let's say it's 50, 50. If it's 50-50, though, we have to say what happens in the event of a tiebreaker. You know, what happens in the event if we can't agree on something? Right. And there needs to be some kind of Russian roulette clause or something mm-hmm. like that where a Russian roulette clause says something to the effect of if we're at a if we're at a, a impasse and we can't make a decision on, for example, whether to sell a property. Mm-hmm. Well, in that case, you make me an offer to buy it. Okay. I either buy it or you have to take that offer. You follow? Mm-hmm. So there's there's ways to settle disputes and you need to write those into the agreement. Once you get your operating agreement together, you need to file for the entity. You get, to get like I said, the EIN number, yep. the articles of organization and, and sign your operating agreement. The next, And you need those things, by the way, to open a business bank account. That's true. Which is what you need to do next. So what I like to do, what I've done is I have all my entities at one bank. And I have an umbrella login to all my different entities. Yeah. And I just love it that way. I can see the whole thing on one sheet. But each one of my partners has their own access to that mm-hmm. bank account. They have their own debit card and their own checks and their own login. So they can operate. And again, I don't partner with people I don't trust to be in the businesses like mm-hmm. that, in the, in the banks. But we need a bank account. And then you need an accounting system. Mm-hmm. So we use QuickBooks. Okay, so bank account links to QuickBooks. You either run QuickBooks or you have somebody do it for you. Either way, mm-hmm. but you need to have an accounting process. It's very important. Now, for me at scale, I have one controller who manages all the entities through QuickBooks. Each one has their own account, so that's great. But just at a little little one-on-one scale here, we need to sit down and say, okay, Lowell, 
if we're going to flip a house together, we're going to have to put some capital contributions into the company. Mm-hmm. We're either going to have to borrow money from Finley Capital to buy it, or we're going to have to buy it cash. Or we're going to have to get a bank loan or something. What's our plan? What happens if we're short? Mm-hmm. But then also, okay, who's going to sign on the on the on the closing stuff? Mm-hmm. You know, who's going to be on the mortgage? Are we both going to be on the mortgage, or just me, or just you, or how's that going to work? And then once we close on the deal, who's going to be responsible for what? Right. Lowell, are you going to manage the books or am I going to manage the books? Mm-hmm. Are you going to run the construction or am I going to run the construction? And one of the things that I like about joint venture partnerships is I tend to do the uh, business stuff, the accounting, the financing, the bookkeeping, the management, the loans, mm-hmm. the, the loan dealings, the, the payments and all that stuff. And then I have my partner are usually in charge of construction. But those are all spelled out clearly in the joint venture partnerships. And then, the, so we have duties, duties and responsibilities. Okay. So it'll say, member number one, responsible for creating scope of works, hi- interviewing and hiring contractors, mm-hmm. dealing with contractors, managing renovations, etc. Member number two is responsible for management of books, accounting, taxes, loans, loan payments, uh, all, you know, whatever. So then you can always go back and point to it, and it's very clear up front mm-hmm. what we're doing here. What I've seen in a lot of partnerships is people cross over each other they get in each other's way you know next thing you know you're trying to renovate you're trying to run a renovation on a house yeah and i'm over there picking paint colors and you already bought paint three days ago yep now we look stupid now we're not on the same page i'm in your way and i'm stepping over over frankly over a line yeah that i'm not supposed to be over because that's your responsibility Mm -hmm. now at the same time what's nice about this is if you're managing renovations and i'm managing books we got some nice controls Yes. See how that works? Yes. And controls, I think, are very important. It's not that I don't trust Lowell. It's not that Lowell doesn't trust Logan. It's that we need, we need to have a trust but verify. Uh-huh. Because trust gets lost when there's no verification. Yes. Eventually. Now, Lowell's a great guy. He's an honest guy. I don't need to worry about Lowell. But if I start seeing, you know, monsters and, and groceries and all this random stuff on the debit card come in, I'm going to say, Lowell, what, what the heck is this? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Over time, that could create a problem. Now, if I don't know what's going on, I might start thinking Lowell's doing stuff like that and not yeah. having any clue whether he is or isn't. But when Lowell's on a debit card, the debit card's linked to QuickBooks, and I have a QuickBooks report, and I watch it every week, and I see the asset basis growing on the property, and all of a sudden, I see some weird stuff. Mm-hmm. I can say, hey, man, what's you know what's up with this? Do you know, uh, did you give the debit card to one of the guys, or uh, we got about $89 in here in groceries? Like, Where's that going? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I ain't going into the kitchen of this flip. So right. where is yeah, it? Yeah. So I can we can control and have some some gaps for each other. Then at the same time, I need to be sending reports to Lowell every week about where the numbers are so he can see the, the other side. Mm-hmm. I need to show Lowell, hey, look, we've got automatic payment set up for all six of our mortgages now. Our, our property taxes are due on December 1st. I'm going to pay them on December 15th. Mm-hmm. All of our homeowners insurance are set up for monthly ACH fees. You know, ACH debits, mm-hmm. and this is where we're good here. Don't worry, all that stuff's covered. All the energy bills, all the utility bills are all set up. I transferred them all over. Um, since we acquired this new property, uh, we're closing on it on Wednesday, so coordinate it, coordinate accordingly. So Lowell says, okay, great. I got the key sh- I got the key shop set up for Wednesday afternoon. I got the d- uh, dumpster scheduled for Thursday morning. Uh, I'm doing a scope of work with our, our contractor on Thursday afternoon. I got the designer coming in on Friday to draw the kitchen. That's a partnership. Yeah. That's a partnership right yeah, there. Absolutely. That's where Lowell does things he does well. I do the things I do well. And we understand who's in charge of what. Mm-hmm. And then we can build a system and a process to repeat. And the nice thing about having a system with a process that you can repeat is each step you can delegate. 
So you can decide I'm responsible for steps one through three. Lowell does four through six. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do seven together, eight, nine, and 10. Logan does nine, 10, you know, 11, 12, 13. Yep. Lowell does. And we communicate. And then we decide, okay, here, we're at the end of this job. We bought it for a hundred thousand. We put 50,000 into it. Our after repair value was 200,000. Uh, but we decided we want to keep it. Or Lowell says, you know what? I really want to keep this thing. Let's build a portfolio, Logan. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, Lowell, I don't want to keep it. I want to flip it because I need money. Mm-hmm. I need to make 15 grand on this deal because I got bills to pay or whatever. Yeah. Now we're, now we're at an impasse. Okay. And next thing you know, Lowell's starting to get frustrated because Lowell wants to build a portfolio. And I'm getting frustrated because I want to I want to cash out profit because I need mm-hmm. to pay for something. And now we start to have animosity and resentment. Yeah. All right, fine. We'll, we'll, we'll rent the damn thing, whatever. We rent it. And then we do another one. Uh, next thing you know, a lot you're out of alignment. So two things. Number one, before you start a partnership, you have to make sure that you are in alignment. Mm-hmm. And I even suggest you writing a mission statement, mm-hmm. just like a real business, like a service or an, you know a product business. The mission of Friedel Rich Holdings is to build a portfolio of 25 single family houses in the next three years using as, as little capital contributions as possible and employing the Burr method, mm-hmm. refinancing with Frankenmuth Credit Union after each renovation. See how crystal clear that is? Yeah. Most real estate entities, partnerships, joint venture partnerships don't have clarity on their purpose. And I'll be honest with you, <laughs> some of mine don't either. Yeah. Okay. And when you don't have clarity of purpose or a mission or whatever you want to call it, it, it really can slow you down and it can create animosity because inevitably, if you don't have a purpose and you're not aligned on that purpose, you're just going to clash in terms of your, your desires because Lowell's financial position and Logan's financial position are just different Yeah. by nature. Mm-hmm. You might have three kids. I might have one kid. You might have a, a new wife. You might, you know, you might have a mother-in-law that really needs your support and needs, you know, a hundred grand to save her house or something. There's yeah. all these different things mm-hmm. that affect our motivations. So if we don't have clear alignment to what our entity is supposed to do together, then we're going to have a problem later. Yeah. But I love joint venture partnerships because I love being on the ride, mm-hmm. you know, and sink or swim, win or lose. When you're on the ride with a pal, it's mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Yeah. You don't always make money. Sometimes right. you lose money. Sometimes you make money, but when you're on the ride, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. You only live once. You're going to make money in life. You're going to lose money in life. Mm -hmm. You're going to take some risks. Some of those risks are going to pan out. Some of those risks are going to not pan out. You're going to die either way. So you might as well take a shot. And when you build a joint venture partnership and you're aligned really well and you're successful, you grow a lot of wealth for you and your family. Absolutely. So go do it. Get some. Go get them.